Hello and welcome once again to the conversation with Uncle Charles. And um, uh, can I just say a very big thank you to everyone who supported this show. Thank you for sharing it. And listen, share it, share it with other people. Uh, so what we do on this show is we have um, a conversation with uh, personalities from different fields of endeavor, different um, professions, uh, musicians, broadcasters, business people. Uh, we, we, we open up a window into all their letters, into their life. We have a chat with them and hopefully from their experiences and their life stories, uh, we can learn something from them or, you know, we might take a tip or two from them as well to apply to our lives. Um, irrespective of uh, whoever we are and whatever we do but even if you don't learn anything hey listen it's a conversation just enjoy the conversation just come along with us and guess who i have on today's show well i've been following the work of this gentleman for over 30 years and you might not believe this i, I not well when he comes, he'll tell me whether he believes me or not. Uh, but he is uh, one of the soldiers at the forefront of gospel music, not just in the UK, uh, but worldwide. He's a singer-songwriter, worship leader, producer, um, and dare I say, he is signed to Integrity Records as well. Well, some of you may have worked out who I'm talking about. Uh, we're talking about, uh, about none other than shall i call you pastor or minister or dr no robinson no you can call me emmanuel smith if you want <laughs> <laughs> no yeah you know you know no, no robinson is fine you know, fine, you know. That's brother name. noel that's brother the noel that's the name that was given to me at birth so you know uh for me it's it's i i, I i'm just uh just gonna stick with that one <laughs> all right okay if that's what you want that's what we'll go with i was going to call yeah. you Do dr no, Ro no robinson or professor no, no, no robinson we call you professor <laughs> no you don't no you uh, don't no 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 listen how are you doing sir doing good i mean you know in, a, in an unprecedented season um of of global um proportions really and you know we are we are stories happening um, in that season. We're all individual stories. Our own, our own experiences uh, are being changed uh, by this season. So um, I'm like everybody. Isolation means a lot of different things to um, different people. Um, but we're all trying to find identity and not so much identity because we know who we are, but we're trying to find purpose and um, within this season, you know. Um, it's 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 a it's a very challenging season, isn't it? But yeah, for, we, for we, many we people, you know, um, the somber somber thoughts about the many people that um have uh, uh you know families have experienced loss, and um it's if it wasn't just the loss, but unable to have funerals befitting of the lives that have been lived, um, you know, where family and friends gather and thoughts gather. So it's, it's quite a difficult time for many, many people, but uh, nevertheless, um, you know, I, I, I end that with God is good. And, um, you know, outside of ourselves, he's a God that knows, cares and understands. So very much difficult seasons for everybody globally. Um, most certainly in the UK here where isolation means we have, we're supposed to be at home, aren't we? 
Uncle well, yeah, we are. We are supposed to be at home. And um, I mean, well, at the time of this recording, we've been at home for six weeks, believe yeah. it or not. Totally, six, six weeks, yeah. Six weeks. Uh, but God is good. God is good. He's still, he looks after his own, doesn't he? He so, really does. You know, um, like I, I was saying to somebody um, at the beginning of the six weeks, um, I was in Nigeria in, in, in Abia State and, um, and I was doing a couple of concerts there and I had to shut one of the concerts down so I could get back because um, everybody's following the news in Nigeria and Nigeria um, have been moving at the pace that things have been happening there. But actually I've been listening to the news in England and Europe and I was operating at that pace. So when everything shut down, Europe began to shut down the airports, France, Holland, um, places like that. I realized that getting home was going to be a little bit of a problem and I didn't want to get stuck in Holland or Paris. So ended up catching the last flight out of Lagos that was that was quite fortunate, wasn't I, I, it? I'm telling you because I was with Kalechi if Ifiani, and um, we were there doing events, and he was there with me. So um, he just got back home yesterday. My goodness! And his family are here; they've been waiting for him. So he just got back yesterday, which is, is that. How do you classify that? Is that an extended holiday or no, what? You well, can't I even no, classify he that. Was, he was holed up somewhere that um, I think uh, really, really um, was, again, God operating in that. When you see the hand of God, just how he found himself in an apartment um, of a, a well-known minister here who, who who had apartments there. And they said, hey, you go here. And, and he's been living up there. And they've been the church there has been looking after him in many oh, ways. Oh, wow. So wow, he's been wow. living really well. And uh, wow. I, I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm not sure if that would have happened to me. Um, but um, Well, you, you never know. You, you never, never know. know. Well, being a Britisher, I, I don't have the same kind of links. But I know the body of Christ in Nigeria are very generous. And, and I'm sure that I would have been taken care of. But I wanted to be here in England with everyone, my family and everything. So this is this is how it is. So God's I, hands I don't, I don't at work, blame you. I don't even blame in you. the midst in the midst of everything, His hands yes. at work. You know, in all of it, He's still God. He remains the same, doesn't to- He? Totally, totally. He, he, he definitely remains the same. Well, tell us a bit about your trip to Nigeria. I mean, obviously, you know, there was issues with the lockdown and trying to get out of the country. But whilst you were there, how was ministry in Nigeria? Absolutely amazing. I met some amazing people. Um, amazing, incredible um, artist. Um, very gifted and very, you know, very anointed in, in the culture and the flow of what happens there. Um, you know, I would say that they're anointed, but the manifestation of that anointing always look different in different places, you know? Um, so, but met some amazing guys and was able to, um, I didn't have my band, but I was able to minister with a band that, that worked very hard to, um, to support every artist that was on, on the bill. So, um, you know, I, I was really, really pleased. I met one of the fathers. Uh, well, lots of, met, lots of people I met of, of, of Nigerian uh, ministry. So, um, but again, um, I was only there for really a few days, you know, um, meant to be longer, but I was only there for a few days. So I had to curtail everything. But I actually enjoy it. It's not my first trip to Nigeria. We've, we've been before. Um, and, and, and much about what I, what, I, what I sense here is that there's revival coming and, 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 and God's doing something and birthing something in this situation. So, yep, Nigeria was an amazing trip. Looked after very, very well. Um, so, you know, I, I, I can't I can't knock it. Can't fault it. I'm so sorry I had to leave. And um, that was before one concert, one concert that was meant to be on. But um, I had to leave. And I know people might have been expecting me to be there. But we needed to get back home to be safe. 
So you, you mentioned something about manifestation, different manifestation in different ministrations. Can you share some of that with us? Yeah, well, the, the world is divided. Um, the world is divided into um, languages, cultures, um, territories. Um, you know, a bit like the Bible talks about, you know, um, principalities and powers and, and, and things in different places. There's different principality and a power to different things. But, um, you know, so when you start dealing with humanity, you're dealing with culture, you're dealing with territory, you're dealing with lines that have been drawn in the earth that determine language, um, what you see, what you hear, how you mm. respond. Um, um, and, and, and culture is something that's learned. You know, I speak the way I speak. Uh, number one, uh, because I was born in London. Uh, number two is because I've grown up among uh, people in London. So my accent is, is, is basically a London accent. If I was born um, a few hours away in, in Manchester or even in, in, in Paris, um, you may find that my accent is different. How I perceive things according to the space that I exist in um, will be determined by what's there. So, you know, it's a bit like um, I've turned up to places where um, I've met young people who have never seen a black man in real life. They've seen black wow. men on TV. They've seen black men in and we're, pictures. And we're, we're, talk, we're talking 21st century. Oh, yeah. But they've never seen a black man in real life. Um, what you do with that context is you're looking at it strange. You're going, well, you know, last year or year, some years back, I was on a missionary trip in, in, in Uganda, um, uh, you know, in Kenya. And actually, we, we met some young children who... and. I was probably one of the two black men or black people on the actual trip. Most of the other guys were white. And it was quite an interesting thing that uh, the kids came to me when I sort of opened up and I was like, hi, they came to me because they could see my, my probably my skin color pigmentation was the same as them. But most of my white friends, um, they ran away from. And, you know, why are they running away? And one of the guys were like, whoa. And I, and I, I kind of said to him, well, it's a bit, bit like, reverse racial culture yeah yeah and and yeah. they were like what do you mean i said well in england um where it's 65 million people and only three percent of the population is black it's possible that people in england haven't so people in england haven't seen a black man in real life it's possible because in villages and towns where people have not left um you know us in london we get to travel all over and we have a a more wider view of stuff so we're meeting all people but there's villages in in england that they may have only seen one black person ever from a distance so getting up close to a black person so actually in in this kenyan experience that these these white guys that i was with were like really worried because the kids were crying and running away from them and i was going well actually that that's what happens the other way around oftentimes <laughs> kids see me and they go oh i've never seen a black man they run but this is all about culture and it's about the experience within the box of the culture. So what you'll find is that Ghana and uh, most of West Africa in actually falls into a territory like Nigeria and they fall into a territory where spiritually it's the same kind of forces that dominate the culture, the way of living, the style of living are not too dissimilar. The only thing that we say is, is language is different and languages made, and culture. Yeah. Languages slightly. and culture, slightly different, but there's, that's, that's the culture that's formed in, in light of what 
is seen and felt in the atmosphere. So Ghana, you'd feel a particular atmosphere spiritually. In Nigeria, you'll feel a particular thing in Manda countries around that. So therefore, a different kind of manifestation of that um that thing will happen. So for example, the worship and the worship and the praise that happens in Nigeria in a language or in Ghana in the language is very significant to that very place, that very people and the people of that culture. Therefore, when you come with something different, like I come with something slightly different, um, people are always trying to figure out, well, hold on a second, this is a black guy that looks like us, but he actually doesn't sound like us. Doesn't sound like us. He and probably sound- doesn't even sing like us. He doesn't sing like us. And number one doesn't sing the language. Then what is this? We, we don't get it. We don't understand it. So to connect is, is a little bit uh, different, even though I recognize the one thing that everyone connects with is songs. So, um, um, and, and, and much to do with West Africa is that, um, this is an observation, um, where you have, um, we're very much into people carrying, uh, carrying um, a a personality or carrying content, uh, so we're very much into names. Um, a name is very important. I some of the names that are given to my African friends, I'm like, wow, you know, um, Africa has no problem naming a child Hallelujah or praise or, or, peace. or whatever or peace or blessing. Yeah, yeah. You know, have no. I mean, you know, it's it's because you're named after even a prophetic utterance or, or something that's happened mm, like mm. Bible. Whereas in England, you know, you're kind of like John, Peter, no. Um, why are you called no? Like I'm, I wasn't even born at Christmas. So my mum, um, I, I, you know, they call me no, which means Christmas in French, but that's an, I don't even speak French. Um, so, you know, so when I was talking about territories and um, things, it's very, very important to observe that, um, that, that territories have its own atmosphere and, and have its own, um, how can I, how can I put it? Manifestation. So when you're in a particular culture, actually the people will recognize uh, things that they recognize. Anything different makes it a little bit, you know, ministry. So how, how is it, how easy is it for you as someone who just comes in, has to do what they have to do and then leave? How easy is it for you to adapt to that culture, especially say for somebody who is coming from, um, you know, for lack of a better word, um, an alien culture. How is it, is it for you to adapt to that culture and for you to um, be accepted? So you're going in for a weekend, you're doing an event in another country. Uh, how easy is that well, for you? I, I have two ways of looking at it. Um, like like a much of the Black Pentecostalism and, um, well, not just Black Pentecostalism, but church is about a place of performance. So part of the manifestation is a performance. And um, when it sways too heavily on the performance, then it, it loses uh, it loses the emphasis on God. We all know that if God gives you a message and he says, shout it from the rooftop, um, and he says, this is the message, shout it from the rooftop, what he's expecting you to stand on the rooftop and shout it, you know, uh, because shouting is part of the mandate of that content that you're delivering, if it's a prophetic thing. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to beat around the bush, but I'm trying to come to it. It is very difficult uh, because I believe that we're all called to different places. You know, I, I have more impact in a particular place than I have in other places. It doesn't mean I'm not called to it, but when I'm called to another territory, I'm called because of what I bring. Yeah. And, um, and, and I often think that uh, what we bring is, is two things. We, we bring content 
and a level of performance with what we the content and and unfortunately we live in a in a culture like I said who values oftentimes performance more than content and I, and I, the reason why I say that is that if your pastor in your local church preaches Psalms twenty three you know the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want uh, we'll sit and listen uh, but if 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 an American voice came along and said, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, da, 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 da. all of a sudden our expectations and our, uh, our response to it is a little bit different, but it's the same word. Um, but that herein lies part of, um, part of our cultural um, uh, issues or, you know, that we're not always people who recognize prophetic content that's been delivered unless it's delivered in a certain way. You know what? Um, we, we, we're going to come back and explore this point because I, I think it's very, very important. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I, you know, I have some thoughts flooding into my mind at the moment and I, I'd want you, uh, Noel, to explore that a little bit. And then the other thing we're going to do as well is to go into your background as a young man growing up in London, how that has influenced, yeah, if I can totally. use the word, your spirituality. And hopefully mm. we'll be able to learn something from that. But before we do that, we're taking a quick music break. I would like you to think about a song. It could be your song or any other song. And I'll get you to introduce that mm-hmm. for us. Okay. I, I, I think that Arrested by Your Love is a good song. Arrested by Your Love mm-hmm. by Minister Noel Robinson. Amen. <laughs> All right, okay. So here's arrested by your love. I'm held and I belong. Now fear it has no hold. My God, you never fell. Arrested by your love. Your presence, my defense. On your promise, I will stand. Surrounded, I'm surrounded. You never let me go.
And I'm caught in a storm With you I'll overcome Arrested by your love Your presence, my defense On your promise I will stand Surrounded, I'm surrounded You never let me go And when the fight begins Still my soul will sing Surrounded, I'm surrounded Arrested by your love So we've just heard Arrested by Your Love by Mr. Noah Robinson, who is currently on the show talking to us. And um, if you're um, listening to the show for the very first time, thank you very much. Uh, This is The Conversation with Uncle Charles. And on today's show is Noah Robinson, who's sharing his experiences of traveling um, to different countries and ministering in different countries. And he's talking about different territories and different cultures and how that impacts uh, ministry. Um, thanks, Minister Noah, once more for making time uh, to join us on, on this show. You know, you're so difficult to get. How many times have we been trying to arrange this? <laughs> well, you know, what? I've been waiting on you. Because I, you know, so my, oh, box, yeah, yeah, my yeah, yeah. I'm waiting. So it's for my me. fault, then, is it? I'm blaming you because when Uncle Charles ring, everybody, everybody answers, and you have been ringing, and I've been traveling. But you know what? Time is now. Nothing like the time now to really, to really <laughs> have those conversations, man. You know, it's great. It's great. Listen, um, let's go back a, a few years, probably about ten years, when you were about. <laughs> about 15 years old something like that you know know, yeah yeah yeah, i know i know i know all of that um but you 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 said something about being a london boy so you were born and grew up in london true or false i put it to you like true i was i was born grown raised in london um in 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 an incredible cosmopolitan um scenario where um i grew up amongst the people um just the young people that were being formed. It wasn't just a black community. We had Irish, English, Asian, just so many different people growing up with. And that's that's kind of my backdrop to seeing life. Um, although I was a first generation Windrush child, um, you know, so community did mean a lot. And we grew up in a black church community, but I grew up amongst people, just, um, you know, our neighbors, uh, you know, uh, were, were Irish and English on one side and the Asian guys were across the road and we had African guys up the road, you know, and just different, different, different people. It was just a real exciting time, I think. So um, you're a South, South London boy? Or? No, I'm actually North West London, actually. I was North West London yeah, boy? Yeah, born in yeah, I moved, I moved wow. uh, late, uh, early 20s, late, late teens to South London. Um, where I, I was living in um, a place called Merton, uh, which wasn't quite London. It was just on the outskirts. Again, oh, Starish. Yeah, Starish, yeah, the yeah. far part of it as well. Um, where, again, growing up with um, not seeing many black people around that area at the time. Um, but, um, again, you know, my whole church life was about people and in, engaging with people around, around the nation. So um, it, it was what, learning what, from all those things. What was home life like? 
you know, living in that kind of an area, as you said, you know, not many black people um, around and, you know. It, it actually, you know, I formed my own culture because church was very strong in, in me and, and and how church looked and, and church narrated a big story to us. But obviously I worked in the city. So again, I'm, you know, my, my, my home life and work life were, were very, like I said, cosmopolitan, you know, it, it was, it was cool just engaging with my neighbors. Um, you know, I had an amazing plum tree in my garden that would bear a lot of plums and every neighbor was really excited about the plum tree, even more than I was, um, because they'd all <laughs> come around and ask for plums and I'd give them bucket loads of it, bucket loads. Did you, of plums. Did you sell it to them? No, just give it to me and I'd get cake. Oh, cake you were not business-minded then? No, I wasn't business-minded. I just wanted to share. So they all knew, we all knew. And it's a, it's a nice community um, where people knew each other and people said hello, people talked to each other. So it wasn't kind of um, a very shut-off community. So you had conversations with people from the neighbour who talked about his mum being ill to, you know, people across the road and, you know, their kids. And, you know, people kind of knew you. So... It was a, probably a much more open community when I was living in, um, uh, when I moved south as well. But I think because of my nature and my culture I, or, or who I am, I'm very outgoing. So I always say hello. I always say good morning and how are you? You know, I hope everything's well. You know, can I help you with anything? You know, I was always that polite guy. I wasn't the kind of guy that was shut away, not saying anything. So nobody knew, you know, who this guy, we know there's a guy living on the end of the road, but he doesn't say anything to anyone. I wasn't that kind of guy, you know, so... um I knew much about what was happening. And that actually told me a lot about who I was and, and, and where I think God wanted to place me. Yeah. In. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've had the opportunity of meeting um, Mr. Robinson on one or two occasions. And I'm talking about your dad. Oh yes. Um, oh, gosh, you know, yeah. Cause you've, you've, you've brought him to a few events and yeah. um, he strikes me as somebody who is very God fearing, oh. um, who, and he he's so proud of you. Yeah. Tell I mean, me about your, your relationship. You know, with growing up dad. with my dad, um, you know, um, I have a very, very close bond to my father. And uh, my mum died when I was um, five years old. So I didn't really get to know who my mum was. And, um, and um, you know, my, my godfather uh, passed away a few weeks ago. And somebody sent me a picture with uh, quite a few people in it. And my mum was in a picture of me and I'm like, Whoa, you know, um, had you seen, had you seen a picture of her before? Yeah, I have seen a picture, but there's oh, not right, many okay. pictures around. Oh, um, right, okay. But, but the profound thing, I grew this very, very strong relationship with my dad because he technically brought me up in, in, in so many ways, you know? Um, so were you a lone child or you No, had... I wasn't. I had a sister, but because she was okay. a girl and she was only two years old, my aunt actually, Right. And my aunt took her right, and she was, right. she grew up with my aunt hundred percent. So I'd see her at weekends when I had to go there or, um, do you know, so, I mean, for me, so the relationship with my dad, him being a musician, me watching him play music and learning to play guitar at six years old, five years old, I learned to play because I wanted to learn and be like my dad and that seed growing and, and him watering it um, is a story that's that's always a, a thing that runs through my ministry in terms of music, uh, you know, from that age going to classical music, uh, being involved in a uh, thing. So my relationship with my dad is amazing because a few years back I got to lead worship in the house of parliament and uh, invited him by uh, various people and and i said i'm going to take my dad and so we 
we we we we go we and he's almost in tears when he goes in um and because he's been driving past this building for 50 years and he's always seen it he sees it on a tv but he's never been inside and he gets to go inside to the chapel and i say to him dad this is not a pentecostal prayer meeting um, <laughs> so there's no kind of ak-47 there's no you know none of that there's no um there's no loud praying there's it's a very gentleman type prayer even though there's lots, a couple of hundred people in this chapel that's a 14th century chapel under in the house of parliament so my dad comes in and i say to uh, my wife look if dad gets excited because my dad's coming from old school prayer is the answer to everything and he will pray for hours hours do you know um that's where i'm coming from that kind of uh, cultural upbringing so here we are and the 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 I don't know what happened to the moderator that day. He decides that why don't we do a corporate prayer? That means everyone pray together. Oh which, my which to God. Us, which to <laughs> us from a black Pentecostal church context, that's standard. That's how it works. But he's like, no, we're not going to have individual prayers yet. We're going to have everybody praying together. And I went, oh no, you my dad. You don't know what you've just started. Right. And I'm seeing my dad there and, and he kind of, and everybody starts praying. I hear his voice going, most righteous and heavenly father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God you knew of Moses, coming up. You the knew God coming. because he always begins his prayer with a praise of some example in the yeah. Bible. Yeah. Right? And he's just winding up and I'm hearing him go, Jehovah God, we beseech you on. And, and the moderator's like going, uh, we'd like to bring our prayers to a close. And all of a sudden I just hear my dad go, in Jesus name, because my wife's tapping him on his foot saying, remember what we said, if we tap you, you've got to come down. I heard in Jesus name, hallelujah. And I was like, wow. So the moderator <laughs> says, wow, it's so wonderful to have Noel's dad. He's a prayer warrior, blah, blah, blah. If time could afford us, we'd allow him to pray. And I was like, no, you would not. You wouldn't. <laughs> Don't start what you can't finish. <laughs> Don't start because you guys, you guys be sitting there going, okay, how many stones is he going to unturn? But that experience actually really galvanized, galvanized so much about uh, ministry and what my dad felt about my ministry. He, he was always saying, you could, you could be this or you could be that. You could have done this or you could have done that, but you chose a ministry. And, and he's always worried about finance and how are you going to live and how's your family, blah, blah, blah. But that day, that day he, he, he saw something that um, ever since that day, and this is many, many years ago, but ever since that day, he says, I know you're called of God to the nation. So he constantly prays for me, constantly prays for me. You know, my trip to Nigeria, he rang me and said, um, you're going to Nigeria. I don't want you to go. This Karoches, this I'm like, no, it's Corona, dad. You know, <laughs> gave it its own name. He goes, you got to be set. I said, dad, I'm going to be well. I'm going to be well. He goes, well, I'm praying. I'm praying. And he prays for me on the phone, you know, special man. Love him. He's he's a special man, and I've you know I've been in congregations where you're leading worship, and your dad was in there, and you can tell. I mean, you, the look of him, you could, you could tell he was so proud of you as well. So you know, mm -hmm. well 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 done to your dad. Um, if you see him, tell him I say well. I will done do. To him. Yeah, I will do. <laughs> you know? I will do. So would you? So, I mean, from what you're saying, I can assume that um, he has been a big influence in what you do, and even well, he taught you to play the guitar. I think I've heard I, you say that once. Yeah, he had. Yeah, he taught me to play the guitar. He he's probably one of the biggest influences. Uh, my dad's a worshiper, and um, there were times in our home when my dad would be praying when I was young, and it was just me and him. When I knew that something else was in the room, 
I didn't know what it was, but I knew a presence had shown up in the room. I would weep. Why am I weeping? I have no idea. But things that would happen to my body. And in actual fact, it, it served as a catalyst because I recognize now that some of the times when my dad was singing and just worshiping, the presence of God came into the room. And this sense of his presence has been the one thing that drives me in what I do. What I do is important, but to experience his presence is the most incredible thing. So my ministry is based on, if somebody asks me, how would you define yourself? I'm one who chases after the presence of God in everything. I, I, I want the presence of God. Even now we're talking, I, I feel the presence of God just like, because I want never to lose a sensitivity of, of his presence. Um, and oftentimes we can get caught up in doing, but there's a time when we have to reconnect with the presence. So we know that, that where we're standing and where we are, God is there, you know, and we bring him with us. So that's the thing that drives me the most. Um, uh, why I'm a worship leader. Mm, mm. I'm not driven by how gifted people are, mm. how well okay. we sing. I'm driven by, are you carrying the presence? So for you, the presence is is everything. So um, tell us this. I mean, let's go going back to your dad again, and um, you're talking about the fact that your mum passed away when you were very young. Um, did you grow up with a stepmom, or was it just I did, you? And... I did. I did grow up with a stepmom, and okay. um, I have other siblings as well that are here. There's a, there's another. Oh. Um, you know, my sister grew up both me, and then I had two other a brother and a sister, um, and. Um, you know they're 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 around and um they they're not musical so they don't actually come on the platforms to do anything you know my sister is quite musical but uh, they are the greatest supporters that I have I have an amazing family support who so understand what relationship, I do. relationship was great with them as well always even to this day I mean for somebody who's listening who might be in a position that you were in it could be a dad who's lost I mean we're talking about bereavement in this day and age as well mm. um what can you share about trying to create some kind of a family bond even if you know you're living with an uncle or an auntie or a stepmother step parent of some sort how do you manage that or how was that managed in your household well it was I, t I tell you what was what was strong like I said family was strong but what was what was the glue was was that we were all on the same page uh, because we lived our lives um, growing up. Um, it was school, little bit of friends, home, church. So it was a very structured kind of oh, family uh, life. Yeah, I, I, most, looking back now, it's very strict. Not like how my kids like, Dad, I'm going cinema. I'm like, cinema? I couldn't say that to my dad. Cinema, <laughs> yeah. cinema look, go and watch the it TV. It had to be church. But, but Dad, it's only got like three stations, four stations, Channel 4. Do you know what I mean? That's the most, and you're like going, well, watch the TV. Or in actual fact, the best thing that ever happened to me was go and play your music. So that means which, whether, which whether you liked it or not, you had to rehearse. Practice. So they were. So now I, I'm, I'm a product of those moments that I was encouraged to. And I call it encouraged to. Oh. Um, you know, I think my stepmom figured out very early on that if I did something naughty, telling me off wasn't 
about going to, to go to my room because I'm cool with that. I go to my room, just I put my guitar up and I just play. So it, <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't be like I'm going to my room and I've got nothing to do in my room. No, I picked my guitar up and started to play. <laughs> so <laughs> in the end, she was like, going, I don't know what she was telling my aunt one day going, um, I don't know what to do. When he's been naughty, I sent him to his room and all I hear is the music coming out and he's enjoying it. So what? that's not really a... That's, that's not punishment, is it? That's that's not really a, a, a price to play for, play for, play for being um uh, for being naughty, you know. It's like, yeah, send me to my room. I'm cool. Yeah, I'm cool. I've got everything down. I'm I'm but, sorted. Yeah, I'd rather the, be the, there. Than... The glue behind it all was church and God mm. and and all church of us and God. Uh, yeah, church and God. You you got to understand that church life in those days. Again, we were very protected from, uh, you know, much of race uh, conflicts. Mm. within the church and all that mm. kind of stuff. We were just like black majority church. There was like three, 400 people, young people numbered about a hundred and we did everything around each other. So most of my conversations, I would say with guys at church, we would meet for football youth and, and, and we did stuff amongst ourselves. Um, you know, you'd go to the park and you see like 40, 40 young men kicking football or black men. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and it's like, we're having a good time. Um, that's that's how it was so everything was around church and what church at uh, the cultural church so that stood me in great stead obviously i was at there a little bit more than others because i had to play music in all the services so i was at the women's meetings hello <laughs> they had women's meetings who was playing the music no <laughs> <laughs> you know the leaders yeah. had something who was playing the music no do you know what i mean i i didn't have any time off from not playing because you know and then you know i was the main musician for many years in my teens so obviously you were into church you were into music in church um and obviously i mean you know for a lot of young people who go to church they you know they would go to the odd rehearsal and would play on sunday but when did you actually take this serious and decide this is what i was going to do for the rest of my life well, you know, um, that didn't come till much later, um, doing it for the rest of my life, uh, because I was always trying to find my call, uh, the call of God for my life. I knew I was gifted, but what was the, what was the purpose of it? And, and serving church seemed to be the, the, the greatest place, but I had encounters with God who, who gave purpose. You know, we all talk about Romans 11, verse 28, the gift and the call of God about repentance. So there's something about I was born specifically to accomplish something, um, but to accomplish that thing, I need to understand what it was. I need to understand where it's meant to be. I, I need to understand that the calling of God is discovered. So it's not once called, then you're called to that. It's not once a accountant, you're always accountant. Uh, maybe one day you might be the managing director mm. and you know, uh, but you'll grow into that. You discover that as you go along. So I'm actually, even now in my own life, I, I'm always discovering the call of God because it's always moving. It's not once, but, but the gifting stays the same. And the truth about the gifting, the gifting has been prepared to interpret the call of God. So, um, um, you know, when, when we talk about when did I know, um, for me, um, although I was playing in church, you might ask, what was I playing? Well, I was listening to music, mainstream music. I was listening to, you name it, um, everything from, uh, I'm guitar, so Santana, Hendrix, George Benson. Did your, did your, dad, did your dad know about that? No, some of that and stuff he didn't, he didn't know about because I, I had a little radio that he bought me and I'd be listening right. to all the rock shows. So I, I was a great fan of Gary Moore and Eric Clapton. Anything guitar, I was like, okay. whoa, that's what I want to do. And I'd sit there learning stuff. And How I about found, the, old, the old Bob Marley as well? 
do you know what? The one thing that I didn't get into um, was that um, even though my family are from Jamaica, reggae was always seen as the devil's music in those days. Oh, my goodness. So it was not used in churches. We didn't use it in church. I grew up learning country and western. So I, I grew up listening to a lot of country, a lot of rock, rock music. Before I even heard gospel, it was in when I was about 12, when I first heard my first gospel and I went to my first gospel concert, which was Andre Crouch. Um, I think he'd come to England and the older folk, the older young people asked if I could go. And I went and I was blown away by Andre Crouch. And then I got his records and I had to learn the songs for our choir. That's the first time I heard gospel music. Before that, I was playing rock, pop, jazz. In actual fact, I did classical guitar. So by the time I was 12, I was doing classical guitar in school and, and I was playing double bass in an orchestra. So um, a youth orchestra from my borough. So you can see musically, I was doing lots of stuff and playing in church. But what I was doing, I was listening to all the soul music and all the rock pop, but I was changing the songs that we sang in church and I was putting my own twist on them. And I, I taught some musicians around me to play, some young guys. So I wasn't the only one. And we actually took over the music from the older. Are you trying to share the blame then? Well, no, I'm not sharing the blame. (laughs) I just I was listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. I was listening to all this stuff, and I was going a bit bit of Morris White and and all that stuff. So, so what would happen is that you would have like you know somebody saying goodbye world, stay Hmm. no longer with you, and it'd be originally it's a scar thing. Goodbye world, I was like, no, goodbye world. I was was bringing this soul funk to it. So it was different. And what we found was that on a Sunday evening, when our church began our celebrations, people from all over would come because of the music. We were funky. We were rocky. We were poppy. We were doing all that kind of stuff because what I learned out there, I was bringing it in, into the language of the music in church. I'd get in trouble for it. One day our pastor preached about, we don't want no reggae in church, we don't know punk. He called it punk. And um, that's because I, at 14, I got a distortion pedal, which my dad didn't know was a distortion pedal. And when I turned it on in church, it was like, and he was Oh like, my goodness. Anyway, not <laughs> you got into trouble, didn't you? Oh my gosh. They went, don't bring that thing into this church. This is the house of God. And I was like, yeah, but it's just the pedal. That's I had to swap the pedal. My dad had took me to the shop and swapped the pedal for some phaser wah-wah thing that I got. Wah-wah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, wah, wah, wah. and everybody was like, what is that sound? I was like, it's a wah-wah, you know? So you can see I was always exploring the culture of what I'd seen and what I'd feel and what I was hearing and bringing it into my experience where I was actually now, playing it i was actually sounding like it um and i was being creative with it so So what would you say if somebody talks about or somebody says something like you know be being in the world but not of the world how do you relate that in your ordinary christian walk i mean you're talking about something similar in your musical walk well i mean if i if i related it in this way two things i I don't want to get too deep but there's two things that came out of heaven that's that's Jesus and music. We know Jesus was there before the foundations of the earth. Uh, the Bible said before the founder, he was there. Music came into the earth on uh, Genesis 4. What we see is a man named Jubal. He was given the ability to create instruments so that he could interpret the sounds. I asked God one day, what was the purpose of music? Most people go, the purpose of music is for worship. No, the purpose of music gives glory to God when it's used 
in the way it should be used. So I asked, what's the purpose of it? The purpose of music is for mankind to tell the story of what they see. We can see that in a model of David, David does this. He chooses musicians who are seers, not just ability. So a blind musician just copies, but a musician who actually sees, he's able to tell the story of what he sees. He now begins to describe it. And music is the only thing that can hold a man's revelation, intention, and emotion in one note, right? With that, the backdrop, I began to realize that the world had found a way to tell their story through the music. But we as Christian, we became limited of telling the story because uh, we weren't seeing all that God is. God, before the church existed in Acts 2, God was. Therefore, David began to see something about the world. He was writing songs about the stars, the moon, and 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 the planets and all this kind of stuff, right? And he was experiencing God and he was writing songs from his experience. Why am I saying that is that oftentimes we think that what we're supposed to do is housed in the church when actually the purpose, the purpose of what you do will give you your right place of, of um, orchestration. A musician rang me one day and said, oh, I'm so frustrated playing in church and man, you know, they don't want to change. I want to do some music. I want to do da. So I said to him, maybe the problem is what you're trying to do, your church is not ready for it, number one. Number two, maybe what you're trying to do wasn't meant for the church. In actual fact, he set up his own jazz quartet that operates outside of church and he has the most success with that. But he still now plays in church at the same time and actually feels much more comfortable giving to church because he could. I'm using it as a backdrop to what people say. I believe that as a musician, it's a gift of God. So it's given to all humanity. I'm able to tell the story of I see. I can tell the story of love. I can tell the story of pain. I can tell the story of joy. I can still tell the story of new birth. I can tell the story of loss. And all of that will apply to someone somewhere in the world. So I don't subscribe to that. Uh, you know, you can't do this in church. You can't, you can't do that. I do believe that Romans 12 verse one is very important that we present ourselves to God as living sacrifices and, and living holy lives. And that, that, that God wants to invade our own personal space. So I am not a worship leader. I'm a worshiper who happens to be a worship leader. I'm a worshiper who happens to be a musician. I'm a worshiper. Happens to be a father, a brother. Uh, you know, uh, what, the, whatever my functions are, who I am is a worshiper. What does that word worship means? We really have to define that worship in a 21st century church because the word worship is not singing songs. The word worship is not mosaic models or Abrahamic models. If you want to talk about worship or Davidic models, the word worship happened in Genesis where God met oh. with Adam and Eve and they walked in the presence. So this is why they were presence driven. They heard the voice of God. They felt the voice of God. They saw God, they felt him. And then when that was missing, God knew that, Oh, the relationship. Oh, there's no worship here. There's no relationship here. So actually what I've been teaching is that before we even stand on a platform, we really have to have these relationships with God. We have to have relationship with God. And the Bible says that I call it the circle of worship where Jesus presents us to the Father. The Father tells the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to talk to Jesus and it's the cycle and we're in the midst of that. We're our whole lives, everyday walking, everyday talking. It's not just in church. In actual fact, us having this broadcast about God actually is in the cycle of worship. If we were talking about 
politics or corona. It is in the cycle of God because the moment we begin to operate in that place where where St. John's 4 comes active, it says, the Father seeketh those who will worship. He didn't say he's seeking worship. He's seeking the those. It's the those that that God's looking for. Are we of those? You're Charles, the broadcaster. You're of those. Right. And all those things really, really matter to how we live our life 24 seven. This is why I said I am presence driven rather than being I am I, rather than be music driven. My my interpretation of what you've just said is that your lifestyle Matters more than anything else because you you know your lifestyle p- portrays what you believe in your lifestyle portrays your faith and you might be that person that somebody sees and comes to god will i be right in interpreting that absolutely absolutely so 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 you might be somebody who i mean we're talking about you and music and we're trying to create that connection that link there but you could be a doctor so this, so this you could is be link. anything absolutely so this is the link between me and the music Romans 11 says the gift and the call of God is about repentance. I began to realize that I was gifted, but I couldn't terminate who I am in the gifting. Therefore, I am not the gifting. I am one who carries a gift. How does that relay? The call of God is on my whole life. God doesn't anoint gifting. He anoints people. And I began to realize that there is a separation between the two and sometimes you have to make it really apparent that Noel Robinson the man who's made up of emotion culture and all the things that he's experienced in life Noel Robinson a man has to operate in humanity I cannot be the gifting because the gifting only really operates on one level but what becomes apparent is that my life becomes the content that the gifting talks about so my very being becomes the content for the gift to so when when somebody hasn't got anything to say then there's no music and what we do with our music what we do with our music is this if my life like david david goes though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death which was his humanity and then here comes the spiritual thing in him goes but i'll not fear for thou art with me thy rod whoa all of a sudden he has right there, man, I'm, I'm seeing this for real. I'm seeing life for real, good, bad, and the ugly. Whoa, bang. Woo, hold on. But God is with me. And what I'm saying is that my own life and the experience I've had of loss, experiences around the area of relationships, family, the times when I have failed God, the times when I have not got it right, are all experiences that are in the core. And I discover God in it. The three Hebrew boys going into that fire, they weren't burned like the men that set the fire up, even when they were going to it. But in the midst of it, they saw Jesus. They saw the fourth man. What am I saying that? We live our lives with the fourth man in it. We live our lives with God in the midst of everything, good, bad, ugly, the not so nice, the stuff that you can't share, the secret things that you can't even share, how you messed up. Oh my God, if they knew, they would take you off the pedestal. They right, And I'm like going, we, we all are sinners who, <laughs> you know, Donald Kirk can, you know, it says it, but actually the Bible says it anyway, that we are saved by grace, that we're all, all, all sinners. But it's the key. The key is, is that the discovering 
helps us that we don't just stay in the valley of the shadow of death where let fear take us over, but there comes an awareness of God in the midst of that. Hold on, fear is not going to take me over because it's only a shadow, but guess what? He is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. What am I saying is that this is the backdrop to your ministry, whether you're an orator, whether you're a singer or a painter or a dancer, your life story is the key because nowhere in the Bible do I see a name mentioned because they were a great worshiper. Oh, oh. I don't see it. Um, people oh. say, David, I say, no, God said he's a man after my own heart. What heart? Oh, he's a worshiping heart. No, he was a man of obedience. The first sin was disobedience. Every man after that who came up before God and that his name is written in the book was because of obedience to something that God did. Even the donkey got mentioned because he was obedient to speak. Even the donkey that took Jesus in, oh, he was prepared for Jesus, but he gets a mention because his purpose, not because he was a worshiper. What am I saying is that we have sometimes put so much emphasis on our abilities, right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't, but actually our lives are the biggest storybook. And maybe as artists and worshipers, this is where we should come from. No, you've taken it in so deep today. I'm just sitting here and just listening to the, the things that you're sharing. And I, I hope somebody out there is encouraged by the things that you're saying and probably, you know, um, having a different perspective to their Christian walk. You did mention somewhere along the line, you know, your your story and the fact that you probably made some mistakes along the line. If you were to live My your dad. life, if you were to live your life again, or there's a young person who's coming up and you're watching them, they're going the way that you probably thought was a mistake in your life. What would you say to them? And do, do you care to share something about your life that you think a young person, somebody growing up right now, um, facing all the challenges in life, might actually learn from that and, and do things differently? I think the biggest thing that um, I would say, and, and this may be generalizing a little bit, but it just gives you an idea of how I've lived my life now. Growing up from an early age, uh, my gifting would always speak louder than who I was. So I was known as Noel the musician, Noel the musician. Uh, one of the big issues that I had was, as I was growing up, I began to realize that Noel was being lost to even myself and the things that I was going through because I could always hide behind my ability or the gifting. Mm. And it took it took some incredible self-awareness and the Holy Spirit really beginning to teach me because because of that, there are many things in my life that I lost, relationships, moments, things in life that I didn't grab a hold of because I didn't realize that actually Noel is not perfect. My gifting may look perfect. But I needed to make sure that the, the, the foundation of what I was doing was unknown. It, it seems strange because most people build their foundation and reputation on ability. And But if you build you and the gifting sits on you, you'll always be secure in that God is working with you and your ability is there just to tell the story. And, and I've learned that life. I, I, I learned, you know, along the way where there's 
areas where my response wasn't quite right because I'd not developed in those areas. Um, and I would say, and on heart is know who you are and always be willing to discover who you are. Um, always be willing to discover even the terrible things, you know, uh, the terrible things that you may go through thoughts and, and, and heart and responses and, and not be frightened of that because actually this is why David was so powerful in that when he messed up, when his thoughts weren't right, when his actions weren't right, he still turned around to God and said, God, I'm sorry. He didn't run away from God. He ran to God because he knew that his relationship with God was such that if he was hurting, he could bring that to God. And actual fact, that's been my life for um, all the years. I never ran away from God. I, I run to God. And I'll say, God, and, and, this is my and, truth. And the good thing is the God that we serve is a God of second chances. And sometimes even third Great. chances and fourth chances. Fourth you know, we, Listen, we he's a God of 70 times 70, 70 right? That, now, we don't so take the mick out of grace. That's we don't so take true. the mick out of grace. But God has touched my life. Some of the things that happen now, I don't deserve it. You know, if the story is told with warts and all, um, I, I don't deserve it. But I'm not standing whether I deserve it or not, but I fully embrace God's righteousness for me and, and God's ability to forgive me and God's ability to keep me now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us. It, it doesn't mean that we don't fall. We stumble. Because sometimes fall, falling has this thing where we fall and we stay down. But I've seen my life where I've got up and I've risen again and, and walked again. And, um, you know, my dad once told a story of a spider that kept on falling down. But it kept on climbing up. Wow. And when we fall down, we, we get, up. get up. And you we get what? up, we, we dust ourselves off. And we tell the story of the falling but we also tell the story of the getting up and what that means. It means that others will look and go, wow, if, if he can be down there, I, I wrote a song on an album called Devoted and it says, I will worship you through the pain. I will worship you through the shame. When the odds are against me, I will worship you. Turn your default setting on to worship. It means that you, it's not that you won't experience pain, but in the midst of the pain, worship in the midst of the fall worship in the midst when the odds are against you and everybody's counted you out turn to god just worship so that is my encouragement as a worship leader it's not whether you can sing or play you can go on youtube to learn to play better you can go on youtube to learn to sing better but you have to live life and youtube can't tell you that in actual i can't you have to live your life but i go if you can find the presence of God in the midst of your trial, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the mess, you are in the right place. You know what? I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I'm, 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 I'm just thinking about the things that you've, you've just um, been talking about. And I hope somebody out there listening to what you're saying, um, you know, some bells are ringing, just as it's ringing to me as well. But finally, finally, one... You talked about how people need to learn how to get up, um, you know, how to stand up is also something that's very, very important, i.e. you get up, but you can fall back again. And I think what comes to my mind is that of mentorship. 
Mm-hmm. Um, as a musician, as people look up to you, what do you think? And I was having a chat with somebody um, uh, not too long ago, and they were talking about the importance of mentorship, uh, as in following um, in the footsteps of people, them guiding you, and all of that. And let me go back to you using you as an example. Years and years and years ago, and I don't know if you remember this, there used to be a conference called Worship Together, and I yeah. think it was held in Eastbourne every year. Uh, I used to uh, attend because I was a praise and worship leader then. Mm. And I saw you in, um, I think it was Graham Kendrick's band. You used to be, I think, his lead guitarist or one of the guitarists. I, I, was, I was his guitarist, yeah. And for years, I used to go to that conference. You were always on stage backing um, Graham Kendrick. And um, then another, another year, I went to the conference and you had your own stage. Mm-hmm. Tell me about mentorship and about sort of serving under the feet of other people and how that brought you to where you are right now. In actual fact, it's probably one of the most significant things on my life that, that I've been willing to serve others. And, um, you know, um, the first time, you know, I served my church and things of my church and then God really kind of started to, um, the first person I got to serve outside of my church was John Francis, actually inspirational choir. And I was his guitarist as a young man, my gifting made room for me. And um, then from Graham, we were doing, you know, a lot of TV shows. You might have seen the stuff, people get ready. People get ready, yeah. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff around that time. And then um, I got invited to be a part of Graham Kendrick's band. This is all on the backdrop of me wanting to have a mainstream career with my music and and God saying, but I called you for the house and the house wasn't prepared to to host me. And how is that going to happen? But here I find Graham Kendrick and I go on tour with him and I become part of his band for about six, seven years. And I get to see firsthand, not the music, I get to see firsthand the life. And it impacts me in such a way that I desire to be like that. Not to be Graham or to sing like him or, but I desired to have a life that was completely fulfilling to God. And then the next thing I, I end up being Ron Canoli's music director and doing lots of songs of praise and traveling around Europe and playing for lots of different artists. My gifting was making room for me, but they were all now ministry relationships rather than mainstream relationships. And, and I began to realize that God wanted, God had called me to the body of Christ, not just to my local church. This is all the stuff I'm discovering. Hence why serving someone, you know, I remember serving a church of 80 people and I'm main musician at the same time, God was using me to touch thousands on a Saturday night, but I'd find myself back in church. Why? Because until God released me from that, I knew that my success or where I was going was based on that. And it's quite funny. I'd bring things that I learned in, in front of 80 people in front of the masses and people go, wow, that's amazing. Oh God, da, da, da. only because I learned it with the 80 people. So the reason why I say that is that mentorship is very important, but mentorship is not about musical ability. Because most people say you're my mentor because I'm trying to get to where you're going or I want to be like you in terms of what you do. Mentorship is more about, I call it the oil. You know, everywhere I see where mentorship happens in the Bible, uh, the mentee chases the mentor and and the things that he desires is the things of God he sees in the mentor, the things that are, the things that touch heaven. And that's one of the things I learned from Graham. What are the things that touch heaven? Broken the contrite heart, humility. What touches heaven? Uh, the, the voice of God in your life. What touches heaven? 
your heart before God. And, and, and I've kept those things. Ron Cano, the same thing. I've kept those things. I've not chased platforms. People look at me and go, wow, you're on all these different platforms. I don't chase platforms. I do know that platforms have chased me. And if I don't get a platform, that's because I was meant, wasn't meant to be there. And if I was meant to be there and somebody had blocked me, God always finds a way to be on a platform. I've been on platforms where people go, how did you get here? And I go, well, this person, they go, what? Because secretly I know they were not wanting me to be on a platform, but that's beside the point. Platforms are not important in the context of serving another man, glean what you can, right? And ask God to reveal to you the real thing. Um, it's pointless me uh, chasing down Donnie McClurkin to be my mentor when the DNA of his mentorship may not even fit where I am. Wow. I'm just giving you an example, right? So in terms of being mentored by Graham Kendrick, now remember Graham's British, UK, right? Therefore he has access to the soil and the heart of this nation because he is, he was one of the leading worship leaders in the UK territory. By aligning myself with that and understanding that praying for this nation, he would pray for this nation for hours. And I went, wow, maybe I need to do that. So that's why you saw some of the things, renewal, some of the conferences that I've done. Yeah, They're all about the UK. They're not about trying to bring a, U- a US or a European or even an African thing. It's all about stirring up the kingdom the kingdom in the UK. What is it that we have in our hands? Championing those around you. That has been my whole mandate. That's the content that I've been given. And, you know, yesterday there was a song release, UK The Blessing, and hundreds of guys involved in it from different churches. And I was fortunate to be involved in it and being able to pronounce a blessing over this nation. Um, You know, um, it's a big deal, you know. You know, no, I, we we can talk because you remember I warned you um, at the beginning of this. Um, well, that was off air, but I told you, you know, I, 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 this conversation could be double the time that we originally planned, and that, yeah, that's, 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 that's that's how it's, it's ended up. And I hope you know, I'm I'm very grateful um, that you were able to make the time, um, yeah, you know, good. To, to actually um, talk. Um, but listen. We have to wrap up here, and I'm sure we're yep. going to get you back another time. Yeah. We'll talk about renewal, why renewal, you know, what right. are some of the things that you've achieved through renewal, um, and your career with a big record label and all of that. We'll get you back here. Let's do that again, air. part two. And part two, Noah Robinson, part two. Uh, but before we sign off, you get the chance to choose another song to end mm-hmm. the show. So what song would you like to choose, Mr. Robinson? I, I would love to choose... Uh, a song called He's Able. Um, it's off the new album, uh, I Surrender. Amazing song uh, for me. Um, wrote it with Evans, a boy. And um, we, you know, we had the idea and I came to him and I said, look, this is what I'm looking at. And we pulled it together and um, collaboration. And um, He's Able talks about a God that is able to do abundantly more than we think or even ask. That's the key. That's the key. Mr. Noah Robinson, God bless, bless you. And bless we, close, you. We, close this show, we close this show with He's Able. By, yeah. but, oh, but before you go, you know, just um, give us how we can um, 
contact you your social media handles you know your bank account your pin yeah. number oh, you know all that kind of stuff i can't give you the pin <laughs> well you can get me on instagram noel robinson uk um you can follow me on facebook noel robinson um i've got two sites on facebook a music one and a personal one the personal one's probably hard to get but you can follow me and um and uh noel robinson.com um you know, uh, website and, and see what we're doing. We were on the middle of a tour and it got canceled, but we're hoping to get that tour back, back on, on its feet next year and, and see how, how and what God is going to do uh, for this year. So please follow me, chase me up. Look, follow me on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, want to grow that, want to grow that place and follow me on, uh, on, on Facebook. Let's grow that place. God bless you. God bless you, Minister Noel, and um, I wish you all the best in your ministry and um, go as far as you can, you know, reach, reach the outermost parts of the world. Yeah, as God leads, and that's, that's as the key. God uh, as God leads, you know, he, he's doing that. So I feel I'm safe in his arms and um, wherever he takes me, I'll go. Wherever he don't take me, I'm not going to go. So, you know, we're Fantastic. good. Fantastic. You, Fantastic. So he's able. Uncle Charles. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> I cannot, cannot lie. I believe all he said is true. With a word spoken over me, he has secured, secured my destiny. Somebody say. Oh no